Our sponsor today is Green Ronin Publishing. Green Ronin is a Seattle-based company dedicated to the art of great role-playing games. Since the year 2000, Green Ronin has established a reputation for quality and innovation that is second to none. If you're looking for exciting fantasy, look no further than Fantasy Age, where your heroic stunting can create the difference between a cinematic battle and a mundane encounter. Have a need to strap on a cape and fight the forces of evil? They do mutants and masterminds. Also available, the Expanse role-playing game based upon the hit book series. Green Ronin Publishing creates role-playing games, card games, and fiction for the very best in role-playing games and to forge your own path. Choose Green Ronin Publishing and become your own master. Find them at greenronin.com on all social media at Green Ronin Pub and wherever role-playing games are sold. The world of adventure is large indeed. Be sure to listen to these other great folks out there on the internet. Hey, my name's River, and I am one part of the anarchy and sass that comes with Dice Drop Evolution, an actual play Mutants and Masterminds podcast. We have car races, class wars, drinking, bad flirting, what more could you want in your local superheroes? Come and check us out in Eden today. You can also follow us on Twitter at dice underscore drop for all information. Thanks, guys. See you there. Brought to you by the power of the internet and fueled by imagination. This is Game Night Heroes. Toss dice and tell stories. The deeds of heroes await, and legends dare to be heard. This is Game Night Heroes. Hello and welcome back to the Game Night Heroes. We are the Game Night Heroes, and you can be too. We are, as usual, a group of five friends playing tabletop role-playing games. Tonight, we are going to play a collaborative story where the outcome of said story is going to be determined by dice rolling. We are currently playing in the Freeport Trilogy from Green Ronin Publishing. And before we dive into tonight's adventure, let us take a moment to reintroduce ourselves to all of you kind, fine folks. Hey everybody, I'm Rob. I'm going to be playing Victor Reed. I'm Colleen. I play Iridanza. I'm Aaron. I'm playing Arden. And I am Brittany, and I'm playing Nisha. I, of course, am Kevin. I am the host and the Dungeon Master for the Game Night Heroes. And because I'm the Dungeon Master, I get to play as everyone and everything else. So, let us dive back into Freeport, the city of adventure. Previously on Game Night Heroes. With the recent revelation that the Sea Lord of Freeport himself is head of the Brotherhood of the Unspeakable One, and that the traitorous Gavinatoris has been promoted to the leader of the Captain's Council of the city. Our heroes sought out answers from their friend, Castallo and Falthar, 
the two leading sages and historians regarding the fall of the Serpent People's Empire. They learned that the ritual that was responsible for the fall of Velasa and the Serpent People's Empire is about to be completed once more, here within the heart of the city. Our heroes need to strike out against the Sea Lord and his lighthouse prepared for just such a purpose. But Gavin A. Taurus, with his own score to settle, has arrived with his guards and serpent people in tow. After learning that Gavin A. Taurus is now armed with the artifact needed to stop the Brotherhood's plans, our heroes must battle through his forces in order to reclaim what they need. Three of our heroes, however, have fallen to the sway of dark magics and must battle their way out of the Shadow Realms. We find Iridanza alone against the forces that Gavin has brought. Our tale now resumes. There apparently is a back entryway into Desi's Scholar's Quill, because, quite suddenly, coming up from behind you, filling the space of the common area, three serpent people who smash through some back doorway and emerge from behind the stairs to come in and flank you and your companions, completely surrounding you with the city guardsmen. If we could, could the four of you please roll initiative? Misha got a 15. I got a 14. Iridanza got an 18. <laughs> Four. Natural one. Oh, brutal. All right. So, with that being said, Iridanza, in the Scholar's Quill common room area, surrounded by two city guardsmen in front and at least three servant people behind, Iridanza, you seem to be the only one of your companions able to take action at this moment, as the other three stand with a strange, vacant look on their faces. You look around real quick, you see that that man who was in the room before you guys had this battle is seemingly out of the room. Either he left or has gone someplace else. Desi is behind the front counter and she's up against the wall reacting with quite a bit of shock and dismay at this point. Iridanza, what would you like to do? I am going to attack the nearest guard to me. Okay. Lunge for him with my spear. Alrighty. Oh, and I cast Hunter's Mark on him. Okay. That's a 10 to hit. You take your spear and you stab out towards the guard. He, however, already has his weapon in hand and he has his shield up at the ready. He deflects your spear quite easily with the shield. He gets a smile on his face. You recognize that smirk. It's that rude guard from the gate at the Grand Lighthouse Ball. That's okay, because with my new level increase, I get a second attack. I'm going to try again. 13 to hit. 13. You try to split that smirking face, and he takes his sword up and snaps against the side of the spear and knocks it aside. This guy is pretty good. Nisha, in the strange darkness, the abyss that surrounds you, your thoughts go back to the time that you were here before, the time where that strange creature tried to pull you away from your allies and drag you down to nothingness. You know it's going to take all of your mental capacities to try to escape this place. But part of you is still wanting to strike out against Gavin Taurus, the traitor who murdered your father. And you reach down in to part of that feeling within you and try to use it to channel your anger and your rage. If you could, please make a wisdom saving throw. 
Fingers crossed. Here we go. It didn't work so well last time. I got a 13. And Nisha, you draw forth with that anger, that frustration, that rage. And as the thing slithers through the dark towards you, something brushes past your foot. And in that moment, you feel yourself pull away. The abyss around you begins to fade and dissolve. And you suddenly snap back into the present, finding yourself once again in the Scholar's Quill. What would you like to do? I want to attack the guard that Irdanza was attacking so I can get my sneak attack on him. Yeah, when you snap back into the present, you quickly reconnoiter the room and you see that Irdanza is engaged in melee battle with one of the guards. Does a 13 hit that guard? 13 will not hit him. All right, well, then I will try to strike again with a second attack with uh, 13 again. What? That's a lot of 13s. It is a lot of 13. 13 wisdom save, 13 attack, 13 attack. And usually I wouldn't think 13 is an unlucky number, but it is right now. Apparently. You take the blades that have already been manifested into your hand that you manifested with the intention of slaying Gavin Taurus, and you loose them at the man. One slinks over Iridanza's right shoulder. And it hits the shield, and it explodes into a small spray of pink energy. The second one is followed right behind it, and meets a similar fate. Arden, the abyss swirls around you. You can feel that darkness. Arden! It calls to you. If you could, please make a wisdom saving throw at disadvantage. Uh Uh-oh. A nine. When it calls your name, it's a call that sounds like a parent calling you home. You think back to your past, and you've never really known anything about your parents, but this thing fills you with a warmth, perhaps like a parent should, and you feel your mind slip further into the abyss. One of the serpent people who exploded from out of the back entryway moves forward, and Nisha, you hear it come up directly behind you, hissing and snapping. He drives out towards you with his spear leading the way, and you sidestep and twirl, and you feel the spear flow through part of your hair as it whips around your face, and it misses you. There was another one, however, you see on the other side, that moves in towards Arden, who stands, starting to drool, you notice. The server person is going to attack Arden with advantage because he is currently disabled. Arden, does a 13 hit you? Yes, it does. Okay. He dashed you with the spear. So, Arden, you take seven points of piercing damage. Nisha, the corner of your eye, you see that serpent person. As he strikes Arden, he drives him down onto the floor and jumps down on top of him. Saliva drips lazily down the front of his maw as he starts to lean in closer to try to bite at Arden. The other serpent person rushes past all of you to come up behind you, Iridanza, with a 19 to hit. That will definitely hit. Okay. You're going to take four points of piercing damage. You feel a stinging sensation as a spear enters into your shoulder blade, and it twists and rips free. That serpent person also attempts to bite you. He is going to miss you with a six, however, because he got on that one. The guardsman in front of you, Iridanza, who you just attacked, is going to attack you as well. 17 to hit. That will also hit. Okay. You are going to take 5 points of piercing damage. He takes a scimitar and he stabs you in your abdomen. 
You wince from the pain. Stay down. The other guardsman continues to move in, but he sees the serpent person is upon the area, and you see that he gets a very worried look on his face as he gives the serpent person plenty of room. Victor, in the abyss, the dark, the shadows cloy about you. You feel the outside world that you left is far away, so very far, and you feel yourself drifting further into the abyss, not very different than drifting further beneath the water as you drown. Please go ahead and make a wisdom saving throw with advantage. That would be a 19. Right. And Victor, as the abyss pulls you further down, you feel something that you don't quite remember in this world, but you know it's important. Something that somehow protects you in this moment. Before you even realize what you're doing, there is cold steel in your hand. And suddenly, the icy blue light erupts about the abyss, bathing you in its glory. The trinket upon your longsword illuminates the creature in front of you. A massive serpent, larger than any creature you have seen before, slithers and twirls through the darkness. And when that light explodes, it recoils briefly, hissing and shrieking with a sound that seems to echo all around you. With that light that burns away through the abyss, you find yourself back in the Scholar's Quill. You look about very quickly, and you see that the battle is very clearly underway. What would you like to do? Do I see that serpent person that's on top of Arden at the moment? You do, yep. I'm going to turn and... I'm actually going to use Eldritch Blast on him. And, oh yeah, because of our new level, I get two beams. Uh, 24 to hit. Oh, definitely. He takes five points of force damage. No problem. Then I summon another blast and natural 20 for a 28. Okay, go and roll that damage. That will be eight points of force damage. With the sword that's already in hand, you swipe through the air, Victor. And the swipe has a blue, tingling, icy color that coalesces into a shape. And that swipe through the air, that energy, turns into a blast that streaks out towards the serpent person and slams into his back. The second one splits off and buffets into its back again. And again, it screeches and howls in pain. But it's not enough to get him off of your companion. Your sword, trinket, and the blade as well are glowing a bright, vibrant, icy blue color. Almost as if they were assessing the situation and waiting for all of you to act first, Falthar and Castallo seem to work in unison suddenly. Falthar's rapier dances a quick flourish, and it slices one-two into the back of one of the nearest serpent people. There's a hissing and a snarling as the serpent person behind you, Nisha, screeches in pain as Falthar slams into him twice with the blade. There is light that dances across the edge of his sword as well, you notice and his eyes are glowing a bright, vibrant golden color as he does so. Castallo takes a step forward, and he gestures with his hands, and a small streak of energy emerges, and suddenly there is a long sword that dances across the room and comes up right next to you, Iridanza, and battles the serpent person next to you. It's going to miss, however, as the serpent person dodges underneath it, and it barely misses. It glances off the back of his scales on the back of his neck. Castallo grimaces. You will not win this, brothers. Iridanza, back to you. I'm going to reattempt to attack the guard that I've casted Hunter's Mark on. 
25 to hit. Definitely. Perfect. 15 points of damage. Ooh, nice. Okay. Iridanza, you recoil your spear. You spin it and you stab down into his leg. The spear stabs cleanly right through his thigh and pierces out through the back of his leg. He screams and howls and drops to a knee. He looks like he is in quite a bit of pain as he slams down to the floor. And I'm going to attack him with my second attack. Yep. Uh, 21 to hit. Okay, go ahead and roll damage, please. That is 16 points of damage. And your spear finds purchase in his throat. And you watch as that smirk very quickly vanishes from his face. He slumps backwards, quite dead, to the floor. And with that, I'm moving my hunter's mark to the next guard. Okay, you do so. You feel that divine connection that you have, the way of the hunter that is given to you by your lineage through your people, and you draw it up off of him, and you feel that connection go over to the other guard. Father continues his movement, and he dances around the serpent person that he attacked already. His rapier swings up towards the thing's face with a quickly pointed jab, and strikes it through the eye. Then, he twirls slightly, and the rapier stabs down through the serpent person's wrist, and you see as the spear he has clatters to the ground. There is a slight blurring motion as he gets back up into his battle-ready stance with the blade. Nisha, it is your turn. So Nisha is going to first try to use her psychic whispers again. So she's going to psychically tell Arden, Hey! Arden, snap out of it! And then she's going to try to attack the serpent person that is on top of Arden. Would I potentially get an advantage since he's pinning Arden? I would say no, because Arden technically does not threaten him, because Arden is not mentally here. Okay. So I'm going to try to hit him. So 21. Oh, definitely. All right. And that is 10 psychic damage to him. Nisha, you move forward, and you take your psychic blade as it manifests into your hand again, and you stab it down into the back, directly between the shoulder blades of the serpent person on top of Arden. And it howls in pain and shrieks as you wrench the blade all the way down into the hilt into its back. The energy of the sword dissipates, as it typically does, as you begin to manifest another into your other hand. And then I'm going to attack him again with a 14. Well, 14 does hit. Oh, hey. Eight damage. Oof. Guys are giving these guys what for. And you take your other blade, you stab it down next to the serpent person's other wound that you just caused, and it howls and it falls limp on top of Arden, pinning him completely to the floor, but it appears to be dead. Yes. With that, the serpent person that is still behind you, the one that Falthar is engaging with, yells and it turns to attack you, Nisha. With a 15. Miss. All right. It tries to bite at you with its snapping jaw, and you quickly and easily sidestep out of the way, and it misses you. Falthar takes the advantage to actually attack it when that happens. He stabs out with the rapier, and it buries itself halfway up the blade in the creature's back. And you watch as it splutters and spits up some green-tinted blood that dribbles on the front of its face. And then Falthar wrenches the blade free. And then you see, as he begins to move, his form shifts for a second, and quite faster than he should, he moves over to be next to you. He has a look on his face like maybe he is experiencing something he hasn't experienced in a long time. And he likes it. Arden, in the abyss, however, you don't know things like joy or fear. 
All you know is the voice, the presence, the thing that is here that calls you to come home. Please make a wisdom saving throw at disadvantage. All right, so real quick, if I could yep. use my Tides of Chaos, which would normally give me advantage, just make it a normal one. Yep. Okay, so I'll just take that at normal. Yep, that's fine. All right. And a two. Oof. Okay. Oof. Arden, you feel yourself trying to resist on some very distant, vacant level, but it seems to not be working. The creature in front of you begins to slither and wrap around your form. Somewhere far away, you hear what could maybe be someone softly whispering. A woman's voice, but you don't know who it is or what they want. The serpent continues to slither about your form. Yes! Castallo reassesses the room briefly. And he actually gestures with his hands, and again, a streak of energy comes out, swirls past over the dead creature that Nisha just killed, and slams into the back of the other serpent person, or it would if he rolled high enough. He misses as the (laughs) sacred flame of his magical divine powers, gifted to him by Yig all those centuries ago, drifts past the serpent person and does not have any effect. The remaining guardsmen seems to be thinking a little bit differently about this fight than he was just a moment ago. He actually starts backing away towards the door with a look of fear and trepidation on his face. It would seem that the serpent people creep him out very much. He doesn't want anything to do with this. Victor, you watch as Arden begins to convulse on the floor. You've seen this before, when Nisha was being lost to the Abyss on the island of Tewik. What do you do? Not again. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to go for the guy at the door. Okay. I don't want there to be any witnesses that get out of here. So yeah, I'm going to use my uh, Blade Flourish ability. Okay. And I'm going to make a rush towards the guard that's trying to leave. Where are you off to in such a rush? And then I'm going to give him an attack with a 19 to hit. You jump up and slide on your hip across the table that is between you and the front door, landing on the other side. Yelling at the guard, you catch up to him rather quickly and bring your longsword down. There is an icy blue streak of light through the air as the sword swipes through and connects with his chest. Roll the damage, please. All right. I'm going to be using the defensive flourish technique with that. Okay. So he will take a total of 19 damage. Wow. And I will get a plus six to my AC until the start of my next turn. Okay. And as the blade hits into him, He yells out with a grunt as it cuts very deeply, kind of actually breaks through and cuts through some of his armor and almost bears him down to the floor. Iridanza. I'm going after the serpent that originally bit me. I'm going after him. All right. You turn towards him with your spear leading the way. That would be a 15 to hit. A 15 will. And that is 13 points of damage. Ooh, nice. The spear stabs up into the guy's collarbone, and it rips out through the back of his shoulder and slices up, severing some of the scales that are across his shoulder. He, again, shrieks in pain, and you press the advantage and attack again. I sure do. That would be a 12 to hit. A 12 will not make it, unfortunately. As you prepare to attack again, 
he shifts his weight slightly onto his back foot, and as you stab the spear out again, it just darts out of the way, just barely missing him. Falthar continues to attack the serpent person that he is having a little fun time with. Next to Nisha, he takes the rapier, and it stabs out towards the serpent person, who manages to barely dive out of the way. And he moves through the space between where you all standing, and Falthar uses the opportunity to try to attack again. And this time, the rapier does strike true, stabbing into the serpent person's stomach. Falthar says something under his breath, and then the blade erupts into flame and explodes the serpent person's stomach, leaving a hole that goes all the way through to the other side, you see, Nisha, as gore explodes all over the front of your clothes. And that serpent person drops. Gee, thanks. (laughs) Falthar's look of unbridled, jubilant joy drops to one of grim determination as he looks about the room to see who else is left. Nisha. All right, so Nisha is again going to use her psychic whispers on Arden and go, Arden! 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 Desi has turned up soup for you. You need to come back now. And then she's going to attack the other serpent person by throwing her psychic blades at them, the one that is behind Iridanza. Absolutely, yep. Go ahead and roll it. This time she can actually get sneak attack if she can hit him, which an 11 I don't think hits. It will not, unfortunately. So she will try again with another 11. Oh, all the double numbers tonight for you. It's crazy. And you take both of your psychic blades and almost as an X pattern, you slice them and they both dive straight forward towards the serpent person. And the momentum is just not right. He manages to move and they trail off and dissipate in the air next to him. That serpent person, however, continues to snarl and hiss at you, Iridanza. He comes at you with a 17 to hit. Yeah, that's going to hit. All right. He takes a spear and he stabs out towards you. It connects solidly with your chest just below your sternum, and you feel it dig into some of your insides. You take seven points of piercing damage. Ouch. And he rips it out, and he throws his head back and screams a victory cheer. It would seem this server person is really relishing this. I'm going to get him. Arden, the Abyss is mother. The Abyss is father. It's all that you know, all that you've ever known. You feel yourself being pulled further into its warm, gentle embrace. The serpent creature that you cannot see continues to wrap and constrict around your body, drawing you ever closer. You hear, far off, a voice. You're not sure what they're saying. Please make a wisdom saving throw. Regular or disadvantage? Just regular, because Nisha is actively trying to help you. I'm giving you advantage for that. But you have disadvantage because of a situation upon you. So it bounces out. Gotcha. Wisdom saving throw? (laughs) Four. Wow! I'm not sure what to say about that. You're not sure what that voice is saying. And quite frankly, you don't really care at this point. You are being embraced by your true parents. Castallo looks about the room, seeing what's going on, and he moves forward to where Arden is. He looks at him, and he studies him for a moment, and then he puts his hands on either side of his face. Arden, in that abyss, 
where you reside. The serpent creature is drawing you ever closer to its embrace. When suddenly it stops, the embrace starts to fade away and shudder as something begins to change. You're not sure what exactly it is, but the air around you feels heavier. It feels different. Suddenly you are aware that this is not a warm, kind embrace. This is not a creature that you want to be around. You are aware that this is an evil, malevolent force, an entity that is trying to destroy not only you, but your companions, and possibly all of Freeport as well. You suddenly feel that you need to get out of here as soon as possible. And you also feel behind you a hand reaching out towards you. You turn, and a bright white light is silhouetting whatever the figure is that's holding their hand out towards you. You can vaguely hear Nisha, you know it to be now, her voice calling out for you to come back, to stop, to snap out of this. The hand reaches towards you. It beckons you to grab a hold so it can pull you out of this darkness. You're able to do so if you want. Wait one second. I don't have parents. (laughs) Nisha! And I'll just reach out in the darkness and grasp her hand. You reach out into the darkness, and you feel your hand close upon another. Nisha, Arden suddenly reaches up. His little hand wraps around your fingers very tightly, and you see that his very vacant expression fades away as Castallo finishes casting whatever spell it was he just did to remove this curse that was upon Arden. Arden! You're back! Oh man, I didn't even know I went anywhere. Costello smiles. The guard by the front door, Victor, he is trying to react and get out of here. No, leave me alone! Get off of me! And he starts stumbling back towards the door. He basically tries to disengage. But Victor, it is your turn, however. Awesome. I am going to just attack him. Okay. With the longsword. Oh, yes. 16 to hit. A 16 does hit him. All right. That would be seven points of damage. All right. As he yells out for you to stop and leave him alone, your longsword slices through his throat, silencing him as he drops half in and half out of the front door of the Scholar's Quill. You turn back real quick to see that directly behind Iridanza, that last serpent person, shrieks with unholy glory. It is thoroughly convinced that it has the drop on this Sadaran witch, this evil sea elf that it wishes to eliminate for its people. Even in its maddened, degenerate state, it is aware that she is one of its ancient enemies, and he's relishing all this pain he's doing upon her. But Iridanza, you know that you have a score to settle with this foul creature as well. What do you do? I'm going to settle that score. I'm attacking, and then attacking again if I don't kill him on the first one. There's a 19 to hit. Definitely. With 8 points of damage. Ooh! And then a 23 for my second hit. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. And 11 points of damage. All right. So, Iridanza, as he shrieks and your eyes lock with his, you take the spear, and with its magical energy, you stab once square through his throat. There's a gurgle of pain from him as the green blood begins to splurt down the front of your blade. You wrench it free, and you spin it, and you stab up through the underside of his chin, 
and the spear stabs up and sprays out through the top of his head. You wrench it free, and he drops. Serves him right. Oh, yeah. There was a moment, as after all battles, when the calm comes back over all of you. The adrenaline washes away. You find yourself standing, panting and confused, around the room. You see Desi is standing by the front counter, still looking quite surprised. This all happened so quickly. She just looks to all of you, a wide expression on her face. What do you guys do? I walk up to Desi, and I give her a hundred gold pieces, and say, sorry for the troubles there, Desi. Hopefully this can make up for any damages. Oh, well, thank you, dear. I, uh, thank you. And she just, again, looks about the room, really worried. It seems that everyone is safe now. It seems that the fight is over. Castallo stands up slowly, leaving you be, Arden. And he steps back over out of the way to let the four of you do whatever it is you need to do now. What would you guys like to do now that the fight is over? Let's go find Gavin and kill him. I like that idea. But perhaps we need to heal our wounds first. Get Arden a thing of turnip stew. Wait, what wounds? You guys took damage? I honestly, it's like the first combat I, combat I did not take any damage. So I was oh, like... Well, good for you. All right. So what are you guys doing? Are you guys wishing to take a short rest? A long rest? What are you guys doing? I mean, Iridanza, you got pretty beat up. So I don't know uh, what kind of healing you need. She needs the, the intensive kind or... Costello seems like he is lost in thought for a minute, but you talking about being injured snaps him out of it. I believe perhaps I can help. And he walks over to you, and he stops because he realizes something. May I assist you, lady? Yes. He very gingerly holds out his hand, and he places it upon one of your wounds. He mutters something under his breath, and then there is a warm glow from beneath his palm that spreads out through different aspects of your injuries. And you can feel that you get nine hit points back. Cool. So you feel rejuvenated. You feel like there is a bit of progression with this interaction you just had with a serpent person. What about everybody else? I'm perfectly fine with my health at this point. Hey, I could I could use a little bit of that. Castallo steps over to you, Arden. And he heals you as well. He puts his hands up where the servant person stabs you with the spear. And you get nine points of health Perfect. I believe it has been some time since I have been called upon to use Yig's gifts in such a way. I am sorry to say that I am a bit tapped out at the moment of any other additional help. Falthar takes his rapier and he finishes cleaning it on a napkin that he produced from somewhere within his clothing. Yes, I believe that it's been some time since I have had any sort of fun like that myself. And you watch Victor as he takes the sword, and instead of putting it in a sheath, he just puts it off to the side and he lets go of it and it disappears in the air with a puff of energy. What a badass. (laughs) Alright, so what do you guys want to do? Did anybody else, like, see shadows and whatnot? No. Yes. The darkness. 
with that thing. The serpent. Yes. Does anybody know why this seems to keep happening? Because it's trying to come to this plane and take over the world? We need to find Gavin. That gem that disappeared from Victor. Gavin has it. I think it's part of the ritual that they're going to do tomorrow. Well, then let's go kill Gavin. Looks like you're getting your wish, Nisha. Hmm. You don't say. So, how do we uh, find Gavin? You don't think he'd be staying where Verlaine used to live, do you? I mean, are those public quarters for that position? Faltar says, The position of the Captain's Council leader would perhaps have furnishings. I know specifically in the past that Verlaine lived at that establishment before he became a member of the Captain's Council, but it could be reason to believe that perhaps it would pass to his successor upon his death. It may be a place to start. Let's head over there, then. He does seem the arrogant type to just be out in the open. I do not believe he is worried about any of you. He came here rather brazenly and spoke very confidently about whether or not he was threatened by any of you. Well, he'll learn from that mistake when he's dead. Well, we need to have a plan of attack, because if what you said is true, Donza, he has that gem, and that's what he used for us to go to that dark place. We need to find a way to combat against that. We sneak in, we assassinate. Stealthily. Quietly. Costello says, I am sorry, friends. I will not aid you in any sort of endeavors. Although the man clearly has problems, and I believe, Nisha, that you have a reason to have your justice against him, I will not participate in such an attack. I believe my skills could be better served, perhaps learning if I can find any more about how to stop the ritual. With the book and the papers that you have given me, I believe I will have a new avenue to explore. And he turns and he looks at Desi and he says, Forgive us for the damage, lady. And then he rather briskly turns and leaves the room, making his way upstairs. There's a long pause while you all watch him go. And who would be the closest to the front desk at this point, would you guys all say? Arden. He's probably eating already. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And Arden, where you sit on the stool that Gavin was sitting in when you guys came downstairs, you hear Desi, under her breath, say, Oh, very handsome indeed. And she begins to fan herself with a plate that she's holding. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're into the scales and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) She seems to be so enraptured in the moment that she doesn't hear what you say. (laughs) Falthar looks to the other three of you. I believe that if he possesses the item that you seek, he would be rather powerful indeed. I may perhaps have something back at the shop that you may be able to use to subdue some of his magical capabilities. I could retrieve it for you and make sure that you are properly ready to take on a man of his caliber. That would be very helpful. Thank you. As for stealth, I think I have acquired some new skills that may help in that department. I can temporarily make you invisible, Nisha. That sounds good to me. That make things a lot easier with trying to kill him. Just be sure, Falthar says to you, that you are willing to pay the price necessary for the slaying of this man. The price it may have upon your heart, 
your soul, may not be one you are truly willing to pay, whether you believe it or not. Mm. I know, and he looks down, and he looks at the hand that was wielding his sword. You see he rubs his knuckles for a second. He seems like he's remembering some long-distant memory. I know from personal experience that seeking out, taking of a life to avenge another does not necessarily relieve any of the loss. True, but it'll help me sleep better at night. He gives you a very even look and nods once. I will return shortly from my shop. And he steps over the dead guard in the front door. And just outside, you see that there are some people who are about to come in to perhaps get a room. And they watch him walk out. He nods to both of them. Good evening. They look from him to the dead man in the archway and back to each other. And they slowly back up away from the door and turn and try to go find some other lodgings someplace else. Probably a wise decision. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we should really clean up these bodies for Desi. (laughs) I think we should just get a good move on. I mean, we have to meet up with Falthar, so we still have some time to kill. Yeah. So I say we get these bodies moved out and clean up the scholar school a bit, so that way Desi can start actually making money. Okay. Since Arden eats for free. (laughs) (laughs) With the four of you doing it, it doesn't take you very long at all. You remove the bodies out of the area, and you set the tables back to rights. And you go about the room with a mop and a bucket that Desi just magically seem to appear with after you guys came back with the bodies so that you can clean the floor and you go about doing that. And by the time you're finished, it's pretty close to the middle of the night. Falthar returns right around the time you guys are finishing and he has in his hand a small wooden box that has a hinged lid on it. And he looks to the four of you. I believe that this is what you will find would be very helpful in your endeavors. And he hands the box to you, Victor. I open the box. Within is four identical rings, golden in color. They each have a small sigil upon the side. What languages does everybody speak? Common, Elvish, and Thieves Can't. That's it. Uh, Common, Dwarvish, and Elvish. I speak Common, Elvish, Dwarven, Aquan, and Orc. I got Primordial and Deep Speech. It is definitely a language that none of you understand. The symbol and the scripting upon it is very fluid. Almost looks like a smoke or a wave. And he tells you that rings of mind shielding allow individuals wearing them to be partially immune to magic that can control their minds. Oh, this will be most helpful indeed. Thank you, Falthar. He just nods to you again. I hope that it would aid you in whatever endeavors you believe are, and he looks at you, Nisha, prudent at this time. Now, if you'll excuse me, I must aid Costello in whatever it is he needs aid with. I believe, as he mentioned, with these new bits of information that you have all given us, that we will be able to glean more information for you in terms of what is coming. Appreciate that. He nods and he takes his leave of the room. I'd like to pass out the rings. I think we should get a little bit of rest, maybe. Like, maybe just a short rest so we're not exhausted. And if you wanted to try to go out tonight, maybe we can get him while his guard's down. Yeah, that's a good idea. We could take a few hours of rest, head out before the sun rises, so we have the cover of darkness to aid us, and check out his residence. 
and then kill him. And it'll be a wonderful morning. It'll probably also be the shortest council seat ever. <laughs> Pun intended? Pun intended. And with that, the four of you begin to get ready to storm the new castle of the head of the captain's council, the villainous Gavinatoris, and whatever sort of surprises he has in store for you. As the two men made their way back to 100 Wave Avenue, it was a long time before Riker Lloyd spoke. If you don't mind me asking, sir, what makes you think that your men and those things are going to be able to handle those that we left behind at the Scholar's Quill? Gavinatoris didn't even break stride as he continued to walk towards his new home. Lloyd, I don't expect you to understand every aspect of my plans, but I do expect you to follow them. I understand that, sir. It's simply that this group... They're difficult. They've eluded us for some time. Verlaine was right on the edge of planning a strike force against them when they struck. Oh, just say it flat out, Lloyd. The man was killed. Murdered in his very own home. Lloyd downcast his eyes for a brief moment. Although Verlaine was a difficult master, he was his master nonetheless. And he didn't know Gavinatoris well enough to know if whether or not him speaking ill of the man that he came to follow was something he could let abide or not. But for the time being, he knew his duties, and he let it ride. I swear, Lloyd, Drac assured me that your loyalties and your skills were going to be a little bit more forthcoming than this. To be honest, I'm a bit perturbed that you're not a bit more lethal. In my dealings with Verlaine, he told me that you were quite skilled in making sure that his enemies disappeared. Not his enemies, Lloyd spoke, casting sidewards glances to the alleys through which they passed. I strike out against all of the enemies of the city of Freeport, and for now, it is those four. If you don't mind me asking, what exactly was the purpose of meeting with them, simply to threaten them, and leave, if it was just a matter of having them killed? Your position offers you a whole new range of possibilities to make sure that is completed. Yes, I know that, Lloyd. But killing them outright using city coffers is not nearly as fun as killing them myself. The men that are left behind and those foul serpent creatures are just something that can play with them until they are fully ready to seek me out. You believe they'll come after you after such a force is defeated? Of course. In fact, the gnome said with a wicked, mischievous grin, I fully plan on it. Lloyd began to comprehend the methods of this man and how they were different than Verlaine's. He also could tell from the way that he spoke about his enemies that this man had a different need than Verlaine. Whereas Verlaine's methods of safeguarding the city and for dealing with his enemies were methods that involved direct force due to a contempt for those around him, this man, Gavinatoris, struck out against his enemies because he enjoyed it. He relished in it. And that was something that would make a man sloppy, Riker Lord knew. If they are able to defeat my men and those serpent creatures that we left behind, 
What makes you think that we will be able to safeguard you at the house? I trust that you are my man until the end, Lloyd. I trust that my deal with the Sea Lord bought me at least that much loyalty. Margaret Lord could nod. And he did. Now, they will come for me, Lloyd. And when they do, the pink-haired one will be very cross. I took something from her that she valued, and she will make sure that I am repaid in full. Lloyd stopped in his tracks, just for the briefest moment, and he thought he had covered it well. But Gavin's eyebrow raised. He had noticed the man's faltering. Yes, it is true, Lloyd. I am responsible for the death of her father, but these things need to be done. There is a saying where I am from. One must get their hands dirty if they want to be sure that things are done properly. Lloyd listened in silence. He knew for sure that this man was different than Verlaine. Verlaine never killed for sport. What I need to know now, of course, Lloyd, is can you follow a man who would openly murder his best friend? A man that he watched rise in rank beside him. A man who was very well suited to make sure that this city was protected in ways that other men are not ready to do. Can you trust that I would not do the same to you? And with that, a slim dagger slowly came out of a sheath strapped to the gnome's side. His manner became very intense, and Lloyd took every bit of his strength and his calm to not reach for his longsword to defend himself. <laughs> oh, the look on your face! Oh, my! Gavin broke into a laugh and continued to pick up his speed again. I swear, Lloyd, you just about gave yourself a fright. But in all seriousness, Milton Drack was very succinct in letting me know that you would be a man who would be loyal until the end. Are you ready to defend me to be sure that the city is able to fully have its realities met? I do as the city commands, Lloyd spoke. And it would seem that you are the city now. As head of the captain's council, you hold a sway above the others that sometimes may be flexed. Gavin smiled as they reached the front of his new home. The guardsmen outside were very on edge, very ready. He had personally picked these men, much as he had assumed Verlaine had before him. But he had done it randomly. He enjoyed when the game was fun rather than fixed. As they crossed into the interior of the home, Gavin made his way upstairs, Lloyd following close behind. As they rose up the stairs, Lloyd looked upon the small, minute changes that Gavin Atoris had made to the home. A new sconce here, new flooring in the upstairs hallway, even some strange levers that he had placed that connected somehow to panels on the floor, hidden beneath rugs. Now, Gavin said as he crossed into the study that once belonged to Verlaine, I trust that you can keep me safe when they come for me. My seeing it through the night is very important to me, and very important to the city. We need to make sure that my plans go off without a hitch, that the lighthouse is lit in due time, and that I get what I need from the city. Lloyd gave him a long, cold look. 
Understand, Etorus, that although you are the voice of the city, the Sea Lord, and the Sea Lord alone, is the city. For now, Gavin spoke. To himself, Lloyd noted, but definitely loud enough for the tiefling to hear. Now, Lloyd, leave me be. There is a wolf coming to hunt in my den tonight, and I want to make myself ready for her arrival. Record Lloyd turned and crossed out of the door, leaving Gavin Taurus alone in the room. He made his way back down to the first floor and stared long and hard at the front door window to the men outside who would watch over this gnome tonight. He knew that his purposes lie with the defense of the city, and he knew that he would make sure that justice for the death of Verlaine would be accomplished, no matter what the cost. Regert Lloyd was not one who was afraid of death. In fact, there was a time in his youth when he welcomed it. But this would be different. Tonight, he would help decide the fate of the city itself. And it felt fitting. Thank you for listening to the Game Night Heroes. The tale continues another time. This was Freeport, Episode 24, Fight of the Shadows. Please subscribe and give us a review. It helps new listeners find us and take the journey along with you and with us. We can be found on all social media at Game Night Heroes. Please be sure to follow us for updates and for new information. We can also be found at GameNightHeroes.com. The Game Night Heroes is hosted and game mastered by Kevin Stacy. Victor Reed is played by Rob Alexander. Iradonzo Orame is played by Colleen Alexander. Arden Langalar is played by Aaron Regner. Nisha Lycoania is played by Brittany Stone. The Freeport Trilogy was created and published by Chris Premus and Green Ronin Publishing. Logo design and podcast cover art for the Game Night Heroes was created by Josh K. Music is from various artists and appears from Pixabay. Please feel free to message us at Game Night Heroes Contact at Gmail. We'd love to hear from you. This has been a presentation of the Game Night Heroes. Until next time, keep dreaming your impossible dream. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, Iridanza, wink, wink. Well, you nudge, nudge, and wink, wink into her bottle. So she can eyeball with the, the eyeball. Oh, I see. So that way we have reason for why we need to go kill Gavin. Um, We have plenty of reasons to kill Gavin. One, he stole from me. Two, he killed <laughs> yeah. Nisha's father. Right, right. Your, your thief. Is, yeah, him stealing from but, me. That's the big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I like how she led with, he stole from me, guys. Such a royal thing. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> it's amazing. Hey, did you like what you just heard? Well, if so, you can also journey into the realm of Freeport by visiting greenroninstore.com. 
There you can find all of your Freeport needs and all of the different adventures, supplements, and rule sets that you'll need to vanquish the forces of the Far Realm in a pirate town once gone legit. Form your own adventures at greenroninstore.com. Use our affiliation code GKHERO to save on your purchase. Thanks for listening.